What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Try Time Podcast. It's episode number 48. I'm Matt. And I'm Colm. And today we've got a very special guest joining us. We have got the rugby league crime author, Chris Berry, with us today. Who, Chris, I'll hand straight over to you to tell us a bit more about yourself. Cheers, Matt. I mean, I'm a writer. I've been writing for uh, donkey's years. I write for the Yorkshire Post every Saturday. Uh, I write in the countryside and the farming sort of section for that. But I've been a rugby league fan for a lot of years. I come from Hull originally, or you should say, two-letter word, Hull, because it's the shortest shortest spelt city, really, in the world, right? Okay, um, because of the way we all say it, but it's Hull. Uh, and that's where I was born and grew up. Uh, and I'm an East Hull lad, so, you know, the pride of East Hullers we have on the shirts, you know, for Rovers. So I'm a big OKR fan, always have been. Uh, remember all the big days in the 80s uh, when we had uh, a fantastic team. We had the we, we had the best team in rugby league. I mean, I know Hull FC would probably beg to differ a little bit in places as well, but we did beat them at Wembley. Um, which was the, the whole FC fans have already gone, don't worry. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I'm a big Hull KR fan. When I, when I moved over, because um, I worked for the Hull Daily Mail, and then I worked for the Yorkshire Post as well. I still work for the Yorkshire Post, but I'm freelance these days. I've been for about the last 15 years. And when I'm uh, freelancing for uh, for them, I used to take my kids to uh, the Rhinos games as well when I was over. So I always thought I would be a Cast Tigers fan when I came over, partly as well as Rovers, obviously. I always thought I was going to be Cast Tigers and taken down to Weldon Road because I kind of like going to Weldon Road. But somehow we managed to get to Rhinos and I did a magazine for them, gosh, back just the season before Super League started. Um, we just called it Leeds. Um, and uh, Unfortunately for the magazine, uh, which was great, it was a great glossy full colour mag. Um, it was in the times when Barry McDermott was playing, you know, uh, and Gary Schofield were playing and those kind of players. Um, but Dean Bell had to come out of retirement. He was the coach at the time. Had to come out of retirement to keep Rhinos in the league. Otherwise, they might not have been in the, the very first season of Super League, which is amazing to think now. But that's what was happening sort of back then. So I've always had a connection with rugby league in every single way. My brother, Dave, who's two years younger than me, he was coach at Telford Raiders. Um, and he's uh, he he came up with a team for the kids uh, originally as well. And his sons, his three sons have all played. And two of them went down uh, and played for London, I think. London Scholars, I think it was. Or, or one of the... One of the Amateur London teams, anyway, for a while. They, they, I think they got a trial with Warrington as well years ago. Um, and then Stephen, uh, my other nephew from those, uh, played for Underbank for a while. He was hooker. Uh, so I've got a lot of a lot of connections with rugby league. And when I was thinking about writing um, books that uh, featured rugby league, what it was really originally. I was coming up with like a boy's own kind of idea, you know, like Roy of the Rovers, Roy Race from years ago and that kind of thing, um, and and children's comics. Like I was thinking of these these characters that we all used to remember donkeys years ago, and I thought well, it'd be nice to try and write a book that was about that was really about the sport, about about the player and the like. And then I was out doing interviews with a lady who. Um, lives in near Peniston that way uh, to do my farming stuff. And she happened to be writing um, books and had written romantic historical fiction. And she, she'd written about 17 novels. Uh, and she said about my books, I told her what I was doing. She said, has it got any sex in it? And I said, well, no. And I said, well, sex sells. I thought, right, that's me, right. So we so sorted something out where... The book uh, became about this character called Greg Duggan, who is the loose forward for this, you know, fictional town called Hopton Town, which is based in the Pennines uh, for the first book. Um, that's where the that's where that the Hopton Town is, and I decided to go Pennines in the book because if I put because I want my books to be read and they are read by lots of people who are nothing to do with rugby leagues the thrillers a bit like Dick Francis used horse racing they don't have to be about the people that just like the sport 
But obviously, if you have a sport that rugby league is in, you know, involved in, then a lot of people perk up their ears and go, oh, rugby league, oh, it's a thriller. Oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's different. Uh, I'll give that one a go, particularly rugby league fans would as well. Um, and so, you know, it sort of developed from there. You know, that, that, that's kind of, I've done three books now. The first one was called Tough Season. That came out 2019. Um, and it, it did really, really well. I mean, I, I say set them in a northern town. And I said Pennines because if I'd have said Yorkshire or Lancashire, I'd have <laughs> alienated half of the rugby league population in one go. A bit like you said about Hull FC a second ago, you know. But, uh, you know, that, so I, I based it there and... You got to think about with knowing about rugby league and with having written about it and been around it for years. I, I kind of know the the stuff that we all talk about when we're on the when we're on the terraces uh, about what goes wrong and, and where the money all goes if there is any money. And of course, as everybody knows, there's no money in rugby league uh, to a certain degree. Um, but you know, there are people who maybe seek to make something out of something and and i'm not saying that this actually happened but years and years and years ago when i was on the terraces and hull kr were going to move from their old ground on holderness road in east in east hull and they moved to this new ground it was meant to be that they'd move out of this ground and they would end up uh, at a new ground that's cost them less to build and therefore they could invest additional money that they got from selling it to a supermarket uh, that therefore would have made the millions to be able to rebuild the team that had got old and they wanted to put money into more players and stuff like that. And of course, I'm not saying that that happened or never happened because that would be wrong of me to do so. But some, somebody as a writer who's come, thinking of ideas as to what might be the nefarious activities that go on behind the scenes right, that then relate to how things that you watch on television, like After the Flood that was on the other night, you know, or, you know, uh, Line of Duties and things, when, when, when there's always something in the background that relates to something else, you know, that, that's going to be the bad news stuff. Well, Greg Duggan is always having trouble in his love life. One, there's that. <laughs> that's that side of it, right? It's not like Joe Westerman on the uh, on, on the what happened last week, <laughs> right? Okay. But but he's but he's he's sometimes not too far removed, but he's not that bad, right? Okay. Um, so that or it's not as bad as that incident. So I don't get myself. I keep digging myself out of bother here, right? Okay. <laughs> um, and then uh, so, but but he gets into a lot of bother. Does does Greg? Um, so there are things to do with his love life that are you know a bit you know. Whatever, and he and and he and he's a good-looking bloke. He's six, I see him as this. He's six foot three, so he's nothing like me. He's granite jawed, right? Uh, he's a big lad. He looks good, right? And he's a bloody good player, but he's not necessarily the sharpest tool in the box, right? But then, of course, he doesn't. He, he he's a he's a he's a rugby league player doing well on a pitch who can make dis split decisions the right way. And that has compared him to, in my three books that I've done, a Jack Reacher of the rugby league world, right? That's what I've had a few people sort of mention in the reviews that I've, that I've had. And so the first book, I won't give all the game away because, uh, I know Callum, you just ordered some copies from me, ain't you? <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah. So don't spoil it all. <laughs> Yeah. So, but but the but but he, he starts off in this what is a a typical northern town, which I see as like you know it, it could be somewhere you know like Huddersfield, or it could be a Halifax, or it, it could be a Tadcaster because I've made it a brewery town because I thought that would be a good little link for people as well, I like breweries involved. So uh, get that involved as well. Uh, I've made sure that the character who uh, th there are there are things happening to the club that Greg doesn't know about and there are murders that actually end up happening as well. It's that bad, right? Okay. And you and he has to he gets put in these positions where it's not just his love life he's got to sort out. It's also what happens with what these bad guys are doing uh 
and, and trying to get done. And he gets affected. His family get affected by it as well and people. So he's in a... I saw him originally. I'm pleased that people have said a Jack Reacher character because that sounds even better than what I thought, which is originally a Bruce Willis diehard type character, you know, which is where I had him, you know. So, um, but it, it come, they all come to climatic, you know, big climaxes at the end of each one and, and leave them leave you sort of with, uh, on, on that kind of, you know, what's going to happen next, right? So the second one is set um, in um, because I, I go I do a lot of running right and and I also go go on holiday to places like you know Lanzarote and I thought I was running on the front seafront in Lanzarote one time um, and I'm running along and there's a place called um, I go to Playa Blanca in in uh, Lanzarote and there's this great um, place called Papagaios, where the beaches are on a, on a little promontory that goes out um, into the sea. Um, but the, we stop in the hotel right at the end of where Playa Blanca is before you go on to this peninsula. Um, and the peninsula is great, and, and Lanzarote's got some great stuff about it. But when you're running, and I was running in from our hotel into the town, out the other side and back again, because that was effectively a 10k. Um, and I, I, I was running along, and I'd, I'd run a few times, and I thought, you know, there's a gap between these hotels, and obviously, there's a very good reason why there is some kind of maybe water course at some point or whatever. But I just imagined it was the size of a stadium, right? And I thought, how stupid would it be if the rugby league? decided, because I know we all talk about this when we're all talking rugby league fans talk about how stupid are they doing that and how do they do this now? Why do they do that? You know, so and then we always think it's down to that at the end of the day. A bit of money going on between people. Or people thinking, you know, they started off the club in Toronto, they started off clubs else elsewhere. You know, I know that all of us that have lived in the M sixty two corridor for years think to ourselves, when well, you know, why aren't you you know, at least looking after all the clubs in the M62 corridor and not letting all these little clubs that have struggled for years to keep going, you know, give them more money or, or whatever to try and keep them going. Whilst at the same time trying to expand the sport as well, but don't leave the little clubs behind. And I thought, well, I'm, how stupid would it? Because they, they did say that, you know, at one time that they only expand or at least I think we heard that this way. They'd only expand and do big clubs where there was a, a a million people in them or half a million, you know, where there's enough people in the in the area to go and give the support. And I thought it would be stupid if they give one to Lanzarote because there's only 150,000 people on the island in the first place. 90% of them are Spanish and don't know anything about rugby league um, and, and who would want it? And I thought, well, I know who would want it. And that was somebody who wants free holidays for a year, right, and and going out there as chief executives maybe and that kind of thing. And I thought, whoa, why, hey, I mean, I might be getting myself, digging myself out of another hole in a minute. But but I thought that would that would make for maybe something interesting in the background. And then I look for now what are the kind of crimes that are being committed. And Lanzarote is quite interesting. Lanzarote... Um, I don't know whether you have you heard of world biosphere status that people get, you know, like saving turtles and things like that, right? Well, there is Lanzarote is the only whole island in the world that has this world biosphere status. And I thought, what good does it do them, tourism? What is it that they, that they, why would they lose it? Well, they might lose it if people were building hotels or in this case, rugby league ground, where they shouldn't be building them, right? So there's all sorts of political things that then come in. So anyway, they're the, they're the background things. But basically, Greg gets off the plane when he's uh, when he's in his uh, in tough season in the sun. There, that was the second book. He gets off the plane and he uh, and he gets picked up by a girl that looks like. What's the name out of Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> and of course, 
I'm not telling you what happens too too soon, but you know, there's there's some come interesting things that happen along along the way that keeps keep people's interest uh, in the books and his and his character. Um, but it's but it, but there are a lot of good. One thing I did have to watch for, because after the first book, I had one 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 lady who who had contacted me who's a big rugby fan. So I'm just thinking, you you know about you know female characters a bit more you know um there wasn't anything that i was doing wrong she just wanted to see more female characters so i built it's not a, it's not a girls rugby league team after all so there's going to be male you know characters in that but i built a few more a lot more female characters coming in who are either the bad guys bad girls or whatever involved in the thing as well so uh, so that there were the so that's that's the first one that was tough season yeah. So, um, and that one came out, uh, like I said, 2019. They're all about 340 pages. So they're a typical crime thriller book length. Um, and they all do have a lot of action in them. Whilst the rugby league, I, I've, I've listened probably like you guys have to a lot of, you know, commentaries over the years. And so I pick up on what people say, you know, and there's, there's like, there was a guy over in Hull that was always on for the Hull KR and Hull FC commentaries for Radio Homicide. He's got David Doyle Davidson that people will remember. And he always had a phrase that he would say, uh, and, and it would come out like, he's the whistler, he's the man in charge, you know. So, And it's kind of like, just that was that was a David Doyle Davidson kind of thing. So I might build a line like that into somebody along the way. And if I hear something on Sky Sports or one of the other um, TV shows where I think there's a really good um, uh, piece of commentary, I'll actually think, oh, we'll store that because I'll use that maybe somewhere in with the thing as well. But I had a lady who read my books, who's also an author, for the for this first one tough season, and she read it, she read it through for me before it was actually published. And she said, I just keep wanting to get getting back to the action, to the games. She said, love the games and what you do with the games now. How you, you know, get all of the, you know, the thrills and spills of what's happening on the rugby field anyway, um, when you're when you're writing it. So and I kind of wanted to write these because there weren't any other books. I'm never gonna be a million seller writing crime thrillers that feature rugby league. Right, unless they get onto TV or film, right? Because then it I might it might just boost up the thing. But it's not one that's going to sell you a million copies. Put it that way. They're selling thousands. Don't get me wrong. They're doing well. Um, but it but it's kind of like you know, there there'd only ever been one really really good. I mean, there's been loads of rugby league books out. Don't get me wrong. But there was only one really, really good one that was transferred into a into a film, and that was This Sporting Life back in the early 60s. And it's a brilliant film starring Richard Harris, and it's a great film, but it's very gritty, you know. Uh, this one's a much more kind of sensational kind of thing. It's got the kind of thing that people watch on telly these days, you know, where there's murders, there's things going on in people's love lives, there's everything else sort of thrown in, and there's all the action to it as well, you know. So um, there was another good, great rugby league film called Up and Under uh, that John Godber, the playwright from Wakefield, who's been at Hull Truck Theatre for a lot of years, uh, he wrote that. And that was a great, that was a fun film, but that was like about a six-a-side rugby league team um, playing in a little competition uh, and he had you know some of the some professional players played on the other team that were the ones that were the hard guys that always beat this team these teams up basically uh, on the rugby field so so that's tough season and this, that's the second one like i said behind me there which is tough season in the sun set in lanzarote and then there's the third one as well, but I mean, I don't know, I'm 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 going on and on here. Did, did you did you want to ask any questions about those boys? Uh, I'll come to the third one if you want. You know, um, I mean, only question I I can think of having is: Did you always like when you was writing the first one? Did you always plan on doing, you know, obviously two more and now another one in the making as well? 
Was that always the plan? The answer is no, it wasn't. I was just writing a book at first, and I just thought to myself, you know, um, I thought originally it was just going to be one book, and it was originally right at the start. It was because I've written short stories. I'm a feature writer, so I always write at least a 1,000 to 1,200 words for each story that I write for Yorkshire Post. I've written poems. I've written songs. I've written pantos. You know, I've written, oh, yes, I have. Uh, I've written a number of other things in the past as well. Um, and I wanted to see whether I could write a good – I've written autobiographies, you know, full, you know, books on on singers like Tony Christie, you know, Amarillo, man, and uh, – Joe Longthorne, who was from Hull, who was a big star in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, died of cancer about four and a half years ago now. Um, good mate of mine. Uh, and uh, Les Battersby, uh, Bruce Jones, who played Les Battersby from Cor Coronation Street. And I've written, so I've written bit long books before. And I wanted to see what, you know, what I could do about how I could write a really good crime thriller. And, 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 as a result of writing Tough Season, that one, that got nominated in the uh, Crime Writers Association uh, Dagger Awards. Could name it Dagger Awards for crime writers, but that's what they are each year. Uh, so, no, that, I didn't originally have a plan to go any further. But then what it is when you build, start building a character, all these all these other characters are with you. If it's a bit like you, you've created this whole world in your head, and these these other other characters that are in it, and actually you what you actually are interested yourself in where you can take them or what will happen next or whatever you know. So, and because of the way that one finishes, I kind of left on a cliffhanger as well. If I leave people on a cliffhanger, I, I like to leave myself on a cliffhanger. I want to know what's going to happen next. So I'm thinking to myself, whoa, uh, right, what can I write next about him? You know, so so in order to make myself, you know, write the next book, I always start the next book when I finish one book. So there's like the intro to this the second book at the end of this one. Now, I haven't written any more than that by the time that comes out, but it just gets me into that next stage, you know. So, and like I said, they are just, you've got to have good ideas. And that idea about Lanzarote and about a, a club being started up in an, on an island, you know, um, I call them Lanzarote eruption because it's a volcanic island, right? And it's like you've got Melbourne Storm, you've got Sun to Sun, Newcastle Thunder. You know, I thought, Lanzarote Eruption sounds great. You can imagine them having, you know, the, the, the shirts that are appropriate for it straight away, you know. So, um, because I'm a, I'm, I'm a rugby league fan at the end of the day. I love, I love my rugby league. So uh, the third book, though, is, is this one was uh, it's a Tough World. And this one came out, it was the back end of 2021. So effectively, I would have liked to have had um, the fourth one out by, by this last Christmas. But I just haven't had time to do it because I got very busy with lots of other projects and stuff as well. And I've got other books that, I, that I'm doing for other people. But Tough World um, is, um, you always find Greg... Uh, the start of every book. Do you remember, have you watched the Die Hard films? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when you watch the Die Hard films, Bruce Willis is always on his uppers to start with. He's always in, his life's in a mess again. He might finish it off, you know, bloodied and whatever, but at least he's got Holly back or whoever he's got, you know, with him or whatever, you know. Whereas, and Greg similarly starts off every book in a right mess or something's gone terribly wrong or whatever. And so his life's in a state and you wonder well, you know, what's what's going to happen to him. Um, so in this one, um, I'd put in the first book originally that his, that his parents had um, they'd uh, gone abroad. So, and I'd put that they'd gone to Australia. So I thought, well, what would happen if I, if, if, something had happened to one of his parents, you know, like, you know, the ill, basically. Um, 
And I thought, well, that would that would work. That would get him there. That would get him to Australia. It, this was also released at the time when it was going to be the Rugby League World Cup, if you remember, in 2021. Um, and then they the, the left it to 2022 because of uh, the way COVID hit. So, um, and I'd thought it would be great if this came out when there was a World Cup. And typically for me, then, of course, Rugby League didn't do the World Cup. So, but... <laughs> but just the way it works. But Tough World is about um, Greg being over there and, and and the Rugby League, my Rugby League World Cup for this book was set in Australia and the South Pacific. My son lives in, my eldest son lives in Australia on the east coast of Australia in Byron Bay. I don't know whether you know where it is, but there's Brisbane where the Broncos play and where, Red, where the Dolphins play now as well. Uh, then you come down, you've got um, the Gold Coast. So you've got Gold Coast Titans just down from Brisbane. And then just down from there, sort of two hours down from Brisbane, is Byron Bay. It's another seven hours to get to Sydney from there, right? So um, I set it. I thought I'd set it in Australia because I know Byron Bay. I've been to Brisbane and I've been to Sydney. But also my son, when we were out there, pre-COVID about seven years ago, he'd um, he'd said to me and my wife, he said, we've gone all that way, 11,000 miles to see him. And he said, we're going to go another 1,500 miles now or 1,700 or whatever. We're flying out to Vanuatu, right? Now, do you know, boys, where Vanuatu is? Not off the top of my head. <laughs> Vanuatu is in the South Pacific. Right, okay. It's like if you're going across from Australia east towards Fiji, it's probably about halfway to Fiji, something like that. Right? There's lots of Vanuatu is an archipelago of 84 little islands, right? And the island we were starting on was one called Efate, E F A T E. If you look up on the Emerging Nations Rugby League, you'll see that Vanuatu was something like 24th out of 28 in the Rugby League uh, setup. They they do play. They do have a national side. They play against some of the other Pacific teams. They haven't really played. I think they played against Greece as well and, and, and that because they played an Emerging Nations thing. But they don't play that often. There is a little... Rugby league set up there, but we we stopped at this. We stopped at this place um, on Efate called. Um, it was a beach resort, Brecker's Beach Resort. It was. It's one where you get where you've got like a, a little hotel, but actually on the beach you've also got a lot of beach huts, which are like proper hotel beach huts, right? And you stop in those. Um, and uh, I thought, well, this would be a great venue, right? Because they have got a little ground, an international, they have got a national stadium for, it's not very big, you know, it's like bits of terracing, really. It'd be, it'd be like going to, going to watch Keithley here or something like that, you know, something like that. But, um, but it was, but, but it was, it was there. And I thought, I wonder how daft it would be if the Rugby League said, well, we'll take some games out to Vanuatu, right? So England would have to play against Vanuatu in a uh, one of the uh, one of the games. But so again, I'm not gonna give the whole thing away, but uh, Greg has been injured, he's been out of the game, uh, he's been coming back, and he just happens to be in Australia when the England Rugby League team are out there and their two warm-up games, they've actually got beaten up by um, a, a little club team in Alice Springs in the middle of Australia. And I thought, how stupid again would it be if if the Rugby League had said, oh, we'll go and play in the middle of Australia where it's the hottest it can be. Um Against this, and I thought, well, has has I, I did my research. Has Alice Springs got any rugby league teams? He has. It's got a little group of four rugby league teams that play each other in a in a little tournament. You know, all amateur 
things. So I thought, what would it be like if they knew that England were coming and they're proud Aussies and they're going to get England there? And they think, oh, we can duff up some of these guys before they get to play the tournament, you know. So England end up with a load of injuries, right? And they, rather than just getting people to come 11,000 miles, they start thinking, who have we got that's over here that's playing for an Aussie club? Or who have we got that's over here? And then they find that Greg Duggan is there and he's been playing really well before he got injured. They know he's coming back. And so they give him a call-up. Anyway, it goes from there. And, and so I set it on Vanuatu as well because I found out about their culture um, through being there. So all the books that I've all the books that I've written of of them all, all the three so far, one in one set in the north a northern England town, and is all the kind of places that you would think of that uh, plays rugby league in 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 England. And then and then the next one, Lanzarote, but by then it's playing for a championship club. That are, that are aiming to elevate Super League straight away. Then they've got into Super League, so Greg's got a bit of a name. That's how he gets ends up getting involved with the England thing as well, because he's had a season in Super League by then. Um, and then a, a, they, England end up with what he was doing, doing really, really well. I can't tell you any more than that, because then there's a cliffhanger at the end of that. And then the um, the fourth one that I'm writing at the moment is called "Tough Season in Tough Season: The French Connection." So the next one is going to be set in the south of France, but it's not going to be set um, in Perpignan, where it's Catalans. It's going to be set in Po, and Po is near Lourdes, uh, and Po was one of the first teams in the original French rugby league in the 1920s when it was first devised and when it came in. Um, and uh, because my view is there's been something happening in rugby league where, you know, we got Toulouse that might get back into Super League at some stage as well. And I thought if we got Catalan, Toulouse, a third one from the south of France going along east from there would be poor. Uh, and it's a decent sized city, uh, and I'm sort of looked into what are the what might be the problems with theirs for the thriller kind of status as well, you know. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different things going on. So he finds himself, and I've been to the south of France. I've got I've got mates in the south of France through my farming and rural connections, called Janet and Monty, who live in a uh, rural village, but have also got a place in Po. And so I, I know what this rural village is like. I know what Poe's like. And I also know that there's rivalry between like Poe and Pepinon, Catalan, from years ago. So lots of <clears throat> other little activities going on, as well as what happens with uh, with Greg's love life as well. Um, so he's constantly, constantly going through hell. And he's got to sort it all out, right? So that's basically where we're at with him. And the great books—I mean, the books are the books are—I say the great books. I would say, wouldn't I? But but they—they've been well liked. I've got loads of people who've been uh, uh, put, you know, fabulous reviews on for them as well. And uh, my publisher's great Northern Books. They've been, you know, my publisher right the way through. Um, and they're still doing it for me now as well. You know, the books are um, seven ninety nine each, um, and then there's postage, obviously, on top. So it would be twenty four quid plus postage, which would probably put it about twenty seven or twenty eight quid overall. Um, but as you know, Calm, <laughs> I said twenty quid to you for the three, right? Okay, and that's the same offer that I'd be for anybody that listens to you. And watch his uh, Try Time podcast, by the way. If anybody wants them that listens to this, if they mention that they've seen, which should be good for you guys, if they mention that they've seen this on Try Time and would like to read crime thrillers that feature rugby league uh, and have enjoyed maybe what I've, what I've said on here, tell them to get in touch with me personally to get that deal. Um, and they'll find me on Facebook, Facebook, 
Um, if they want to email me, it's chrisberrymedia at gmail.com. Um, and if they want to tell me that they've read the books even uh, and just send me nice notes about them or if they just want to put really nice things on Amazon as the reviews, they can get them on Amazon as well. You can, you can buy them on Amazon. They don't have to buy them off me. It's just that they, don't, they won't get that deal at the 20 quid for the three. Um, and I don't earn as much out of that just so that people know I'm not sort of, you know, copping off on it, right? Um, uh, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not aiming to earn from that because I get I buy them a, bit, a little bit cheaper than the than the mark price. That's about it, really, myself. Uh, in order to be able to do that, but Great Northern Books sell them, Amazon sell them, and I can do this deal for people if they're interested. And it'd be lovely if people did, you know, because I've uh, I think I've got Ian Fulton getting some off me. Ian's Cast Castleford's um, chairman at the moment, and he's a farmer. Um, near, near where I live, in, uh, I live in Aberford, uh, just out of Leeds, um, and he's uh, he's at Garforth at his Willow Park Farm shop uh, and Willow Park Farm with his pigs and poultry. So, plenty uh, going on. Any other things you want to ask, boys? Um, I think that's all. All really interesting, mate. I think we have got some more stuff we're going to speak to you about around sort of rugby and what's going on at, at the minute. Um, but yep. we'll probably go and have a quick break and then we'll we'll be back. So it'll cut off and come back on. Ah, so welcome back, guys. Hopefully that was a nice, seamless little hard cut for you. Um, so, yeah, Chris, I just thought we'd start with the second part almost of this with yeah. just a little bit of rugby league in general. Um, obviously, you mentioned big Hull KR fan. What are your thoughts at the moment on how things are looking at KR, how the club's going, especially following a return to Wembley last year, albeit not quite the result you would have wanted. Yeah. We've got, I mean, we've got to be, I mean, I think every Hulk fan, just about, I mean, there's always going to be ones that you can't please, but, you know, the uh, every Hulk fan has got to be over the moon with where we are at the moment. You know, we're, 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 we are, like you guys say about Try Time Podcast, we're back, you know, and we're kind of, you know, we're, we're, we are, I mean, we've got a great setup at the moment. Yeah, there have been some intriguing Things. I mean, you know, uh, you know, we didn't. I don't think many of us uh, expected Danny Maguire not to be there. Um, I don't think we anticipated. I don't think many of us anticipated that right at the start. Although those people who are always in the know will say we always knew that all along. Of course, you know. Um, but um, I think Willie Peters doing is, is, you know, he's got his head screwed on for you know where he's at. He wants. He's he's one of these guys who's. He's a coach because that's what he can do, and he can motivate and get the team right. It's not. I don't. I think a lot of the a lot of getting a team right is you know um, talking to people as well and putting think bricks in the right place. You know, having the right players. Sometimes you can't. You know, just you can't just take over a team and then that you know Tony Smith had started off building in the first place. And Tony Smith had done a great job for us. Uh, Willie Smith, Willie Peters, obviously wanted to put his own stamp on it and the like. And we we suddenly saw like Tony Smith going, Stanley Jean going. You know that that backroom bit was getting a bit. You know where's that going to leave us? And then uh, Danny took over for the end of that pre that that previous season and 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 got us through it and did a good job. Um, and had played really well for us when he played as a player since coming from the Rhinos. So we, we, you know, we we were in a we were in a decent place. But Willie Peters seems to have taken us into a better place. What we've got though is we've got the things like Sean Kenny Dowell retiring and the like. And everybody has club. Everybody has players that retire. I think in the past when we've had players retire years ago, I remember seeing. I, I mentioned it in the early part. In the 80s, when we had our great team, like a lot of teams, uh, you keep your players too long. Yeah, and, and you, you need to, because it's in your heart that you want them to be there. But they lose that, what everybody calls that half yard. You know, and people, when they lose that half yard, you know, they know 
they're not the same player as before. You know they're not the same player as before. But then sometimes, because you have sentimentality uh, with sport, you stick with the players and the like, and people don't want to let them go. I think where Lee Peters has maybe got it different to that is he's got a harder line over where he wants to go. And there is no real... I don't think... I mean, he'll have his favourites. Everybody has the favourites, you know. Um, but but I don't think he's quite as sentimental about having the same players there all the time and needs to have it the way he wants it. And I think that's a good thing for us. Um, I think every every club, not just Hull KR, Hull FC, every club would like to see local boys come through into their teams. We all remember it and we all love that. Uh, and we all would still want to do that again. I mean, we've got, obviously, Mikey Lewis, you know, who, you know, Hull lad, there's always the talk between uh, the Hull FC fans and Rovers fans about is he's from the west side of Hull or whatever originally or whatever, you know, and that kind of thing. Is he really a Rovers guy? And people will always try and nobble people along the way, you know, to wind each other up. But at the end of the day, he's a Hull lad. And and he's and and Rovers have got him, hopefully tied him. You never know these days. No matter what contract somebody signs, if somebody wants to go, or if somebody doesn't want to be there anymore, and if somebody doesn't want them there anymore, then the, the contract's always going to get torn up in the end of the day. But we have actually got some good homegrown talent playing in that side at the moment, and I think that makes a difference to supporters. You know, you've only got to listen to us, the whole KR fans, singing his one of our own, Mikey Lewis, you know, and Jez Litton as well, for that matter, as well, you know. And a lot of them would like to see the same of people like Aaron Fishwick as well, who's, who's you know, on the on the fringes of the of the team as well, of the, of the uh, team at the moment. Um, but the, we all want to see that. But what we all want to see most of all is we want the team to be right on the pitch. I don't remember there being any problem in the 80s when we had, you know, a load of New Zealanders like Mark Broadhurst playing for us and the like, who was a gr- fantastic player. Um, and we had players from the West Riding playing for us then as well, you know. So it's 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 not... it's. Everybody wants to see their home club do well. And for Hull KR, I think the setup's right. I mean, you've got Neil Hudgel there, who's been like the, the owner of Hull KR for so many years now, pumped so much into the club, not just the money, but, you know, his time, his effort, his heart, his soul, the whole thing. You can't, you know, I know I write about it with my crime thrillers and the like, but, you know, about nefarious kind of people with it, you know. But there are wonderful people who who believe in their their home club. Wish I had the money that was that, that was there to be able to uh, give that. Whether I would still give it, I, I don't know. But people like Neil Hudgel deserve every bit of praise that they possibly can get, you know, over keeping a club right and trying to bring the right people in. I mean, you've got Paul Lake in there. There are a lot of people who, if you look on all the podcasts and all the, you know, um, you know, social media things, he gets a lot of stick uh, from things, but they've got good people in place for Rovers at the moment. That's what makes the difference to a club, you've got to win on the pitch. You know that's what makes the overall difference. But unless you have all these bits, all these building blocks in the background, all in the right places, you don't really stand a chance of of doing it properly. And Rovers have had a lot of hard times, but then now every Rover son has got to. I mean, last season was just you know for us. Okay, it was heartache. At, uh, at, at Wembley and against Lee. Unfortunately, I, I I was on holiday at the time. I couldn't go. I was so, uh, you know, I remember I remember our last uh, one point heartache against Cass years ago as well. I was there for that. Um, but against Lee, you know, we we were close, you know, and and I think we'd have loved to have won, obviously. 
but we just I think a lot of us just knew that the that um we've got a great team again. And actually we've got a team that can grow. The only things that fans will be thinking is Skids is not there anymore, although he is on the coaching staff. What just what difference is that going to make? Until until they actually put the boots on the park uh, for that first game against you know the old rivals, and then the next week against Rhinos at Craven Park. Until those two games are out of the way, I think we're all just fingers crossed that everything is definitely going to go. You know the way in which we went at the end of last week. Who knows what happens in between? But they've done the right things. They've been away again. They've got the warm weather training. They've been to Tenerife. They've done the things there. They've got they've got a regime that they're going going at. I mean, our lads went, our lads went to Tenerife. Full FC went to Brid. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm not saying that means you're going to win at all. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to go down there. It's not me that's going to get it wrong or whatever. But you know, it's, there's a, there's a mark of where we're where we're at as clubs at the moment in in terms of that. Fingers crossed. I mean, admittedly, one more represents the weather of Hull in February, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Indeed, he's <laughs> representative in that way. But what the more likely to be playing in? But I know where I'd like to be for uh, doing my warm weather training. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be wouldn't be the East Coast, would it? Certainly wouldn't. I tell you what, I wouldn't be opening my mouth in the in the in the sea either. From what we told these days, there you go. And I guess Jen, just lean on from that. Who is your pick then to win Super League this year? If I had to push for an answer before a ball's even been thrown, God, it's, it's so difficult. You, you, part of you, you know, your head says Saints or Wigan, doesn't it? And and, and always for them, um, just at this moment, and it's it kind of hard to look past those two, isn't it? Really, in a way. I mean, I know Saints have got a bit of a change going on. Roby's now tired, and you got a little bit of a changeover maybe going on there I think uh, I think Wellens isn't isn't kind of whilst you know still up there he's still got to earn his spurs a bit as a coach um, in terms of the way uh, everything's sort of seen in it I think Wigan they're they're strong aren't they you know Um, I think I'd be tempted to go Wigan for um, for the overall but I think you know, you know, if we can get off to a good start and on a good roll, and if we are heading the way we were before, then you know, we we I, th- I think all Rovers fans would say would probably say to you third or fourth would be a great position for us to finish this season if we're being if we're being honest about it. I think that that would be where we'd be like to have been heading. I know Willie Peters will 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 always say, you know, he's aiming for, you know, he won't say, you know, he won't say the whole thing. Nobody wants to put their mockers on themselves, you know. But uh, um, I'm sure he, you know, he's he's already thinking about challenging because there was a time, if you remember, part of the way through last season where we were, I think, second, um, and we were looking good. We had a we had a little bad run where we'd picked up the injuries uh, and the like. Um, I think the uh, that was an interesting one that you know I didn't go on about about Jordan Abdul's move. That's another that was another little kind of you know flash in the pan for us in terms of oh gosh what's that what's where did that come from you know but can totally understand it as well with with you know what we've you know who we've got half back already for um, for for this season. But uh, yeah, I think you got you got to say it's going to be Wigan's Wigan Saints imagined there but they will be thinking the same thing because nobody takes anything for granted I don't think you know I think they'll be thinking until a ball's kicked as well they're not going to be certain as to what's going to happen because any any team that's got new players to bed in has got to get them bedded in the right kind of way you know so I can't see I can't see um I know Warrington, have, you know, got Burgess in there now as coach, and I'm not. I'm, I'm still. Ben, ben. 
I can't see Burgess. I can't see Warrington um, doing. And I can see them mid table. You know, I can see them. I can see if we struggle with injuries that, you know, we'll be back in that sort of fifth to eighth kind of place marker. Catalan, Steve McNamara, an East Hull lad, by the way, right? Steve McNamara, um, uh, he never played for the Rovers. Played, I think, I think he played junior. He played for Skirla, which is a little village out to the east of Hull, because I think he's from just out of there originally. Um, but Steve McNamara, um, he's just amazing, to be honest with you. When he, when he, if there's ever there should be a coach of the year and the like, anybody that can keep changing over the roster of players that he does every year and still be near the top every year, there's got to be something uh, about him that's 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 got to be really right um, for for what he does. So I've got a lot of time for him, and I think the Catalans. They have had a change of things. Uh, one of our things at Rovers with Jordan Abdul, which a lot of fans will will say, is that it, Jordan Abdul is a fantastic player. We all know that uh, he played he played fantastic for Broncos when he went to them. He's played fantastic for us. Uh, he's one of the best kickers in the game. Certainly the the high bomb. Um, and uh, he's a he's, he's Jordan. If you listen, you are a great player. We all know that. Every every Rovers, every Rovers fan knows that. But at the end of the day, you know, if you can only if 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 any player um, is only playing set ten games a season for you, you know, is that is that right or not? You know, you've got to sort of work it out. I, you know, I watch a lot of American football as well. I love my American football. I love the Packers. I'm a Green Bay Packers supporter. Um, and I love the Packers because they have the same kind of thing going on as Hull KR. They're very much a community club. They're very much about the about their whole area. Um, and we all love Jordan Abdul, right? And we love him as a player, love what he does and the like. But it was just the number of games in the last couple of seasons, particularly for us, that he hasn't played. Not what he has when he's when he's done it on the park. He's been he's been fine. But, um, so I hope he does well. I hope he doesn't do well against us. But there you go. So Catalan, yeah, I would say maybe if we can get a, a bit of a roll on at a start of the season, um, then we could look decent. I looked at the fixtures like every every fan does, and there's a there's a period where you've got um, Wigan Saints Catalan. Uh, you know, all in the same period. I don't know where, don't know where rhinos are going to go this season because they, you know, they're they're, they're building again now, um, and uh, so it depends on where where they're at. Um, so, but coaches make a difference to a big difference to um, any club on any side, and I think Rovers have got a good coach in there, there at the moment. Catalans have, Wigan have, Saints have. That they're the, they're my reasons for them being maybe my top four. I think this season. No, that's great to hear. And obviously, if you guys are interested in what me and Callum think for series of Super League predictions, we've got our big league preview coming out literally the day before the season starts, isn't it? It's the yeah fourteenth of Feb. Yeah. Make a date with Try Time instead. You so you're go. not giving you're not you're not giving yours away then, boys. You got me to give mine first before you give yours, eh? Nah, I mean, we're still doing before the season, so we'll see who's who's closer. Yeah. Okay. All right then. Well, so who do you think is going to finish bottom then, boys? That's the thing. Oh, are we allowed to give our cards away early on yeah. this one? Um. Well, I think there's a generic one everyone's saying, but um, I I want to now just jokingly say KR, but. I don't... <laughs> but, um, I do think probably London. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I, think, I think London are the clear favourites. I think it's it's difficult to see it anywhere else at this stage, isn't it? And I'm sure London probably think the same as well. To be honest with you, um, but I do think that Trinity, you know, are, are lined up to come back straight away. Um, certainly because of this, you know, the the new regulations for grounds but also because i think they've got i think they've got it 
I, I actually think they've got it right or getting right in the background as well now. You know, because I was at the I was at uh, Bellevue um, for when we smashed them um, before the, near the end of the season, where we needed to be, we needed to be um, them by forty points. I think it was thirty six points or something like that. We needed to be thirty six points clear at the end of the game, and Wigan to I forget who it was now. Well, Lee to lose by by Wigan to win by at least X number of... Well, just win anyway. And Wigan sort of laboured it, didn't they, that night against Lee? But, um, so we were constantly looking to see what the score was, you know. Um, but uh, but what Wakefield's ground, that new stadium they've put together, it looks fantastic. I know they had the problems with the floodlights the other night and stuff and electrical problems or whatever. But they, but they deserve... They deserve something. It's another proper community club and now the guy that's gone in there as the investor for them as well the guy that's got the kitchens company as well you know it's 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 um i think they looking at what they did that night as well and what they were doing with all their junior clubs uh as well and and the girls teams and stuff like that there was a proper community effort and wakefield's always had that wakefield you know Cass has always had my kids, my lads, when they were, you know, seven or eight, they played on um Cass's ground at Weldon Road, they played on Batley's ground and the like. It was it was part of the whole thing. I I just I know I said it before when I was talking about the books, but I'm I'm one passion that I do have is that please, please do not forget all our all our you know, traditional clubs across that Holland. I love what's happening in Cornwall. I would love the Cornwall club to do really well, right? Because they've really got a nice thing going on there. I just, I just love to see them expand and be able to, you know, win games, you know, against teams from the M62 corridor and from Cumbria, because I do think that we, you know, we're in danger of forgetting about Cumbria all the time as well. And that's a, another still strong heartland of rugby league. We need to put effort into those as much as the effort is going in to try and get TV contracts to make sure that other things are happening. And we've moved the, you know, the, the, um, the big weekend down from Newcastle to Leeds this year. We still need to work on, on helping those other outlying areas where they're trying really hard, like in Newcastle. What those guys are doing in Newcastle to bring Newcastle Thunder back is just brilliant, right? They're working so, so hard after finding themselves in absolutely deep doodah at the end of last season, right? That's great. What's happening at Cornwall's great. Midland Hurricanes are trying really hard as well. and and But I, I want to see... I want to see the Jewsbridge of this world deserve they deserve you know you know more praise for what they're doing. I want to see Workington and Whitehaven given you know more praise. I want, I'd love to see there be a Cumbria club. You you won't get as a conglomerate because that never happened. Like when you know it was tried years ago. Oh, grab all the Cumbrian clubs together and call them Cumbria something or whatever you know, or grab. Hull and Hulk are together. That's never going to happen in a million years, right? Um, put put St. Helens together with Warrington or whatever it is. You know, that's never going to happen, you know. So it, it, it's, you've got to, you know, we need to give that support. And you can only do that if people realise how good the game is. And I think rugby league as a, as a sport, as a spectacle in Super League is a fabulous spectacle. But it's like any other sport. If it's then, you know, not helping the grassroots, then, you know, you need that grassroots there for the future of the sport as well. And I think we need to put more put more effort into into helping those those other clubs. Uh, otherwise we'll lose them, you know. Um and Let's face it, rugby union's not in a great state at the moment. You know, they're massive clubs like Wasps and the like, no longer or whatever, um, that have happened. London Irish and people like, clubs like that that have gone by the wayside. So these things can happen. 
and Salford need help at you know every 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 area um needs good people in it and we need to attract more good people in it to help all the clubs and then who knows Dewsbury, who last won the championship in the early 1970s or whatever, when Steve O, Eddie Stevenson, was playing for him. Um, you know, he would... Maybe they'll never get back into Super League, but we need each league to be good and really competitive. And that's that's kind of where I'm at. Wakey, I don't know whether you should have... Um, what's your view, boys, on a 16-club Super League? As a Bradford fan, I absolutely love it, yeah, because I think we'd, we'd probably make it in then. Um, but I just want to say as well, I think I liken the current Wakefield situation to what Hull KR were like when they went down to Championship and how I think that was very important for Hull KR to get to where they are now. They needed that reset yeah. of going down and coming back up. That's it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it does, it does work, right? I mean, I know for Bradford... It's a different story. And the Bulls, I mean, you know, you I'll remember those times, early Super League days, where you guys were the top club in Super League, or near first or second, you know. And the Bulls were just were just amazing when you had, you know, great players playing for you, like the Paul brothers and things like that, you know. And they, they, you just had it then. It's such a shame. That that went all tits up somehow along the way, you know. But uh, you know, it's been good to see Bradford back. Have you still got, have you got the support to do that these days? Is it is there a is there a, like a you know it's it's like anything like Rovers. I just saw a story today: uh, seven and a half thousand people, Rovers fans, have have are now season pass holders or whatever for Rovers this season. So regardless of anything else for their attendances, the attendance at Craven Park this season is going to be rounded about at least 10,000, uh, you know, for it throughout the season. Um, has Bradford got that? Has Bradford got that behind it? Is, is it 2,500 at the moment or what? It's probably looking at around that, yeah, 2,500, yeah. 3,000. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of that's dropped. Like when we first went down, we had quite like ten. We were getting like you know up towards ten thousand in the championship. But obviously, things happen and people drop away. Um, but I think there's definitely a, a. I think people would come back if we did go yeah. up. Um, yeah. And I think you know you look at some of the other attendances in Super League. I don't. I don't think the attendance at Bradford would be an issue. I think the stadium would be. I think that's the only yeah. thing holding us back on the IMG. Um, You're right, really. I think that's it, because you've still got it the way you've got it, you know. It's a shame because it's an iconic thing as well, you know. Um, but you see, it's like our sport, I watch a lot of NRL as well as you boys probably do, you know, and um, I watch the NRL and, and their average attendance in the NRL is 20,000, right? That's their average attendance. We haven't got a single club that gets that average attendance in Super League. The top, top average attendance for us is uh, Wigan or Saints with about 14,500. And that is the smallest average attendance of any club in the NRL, right? That's how the difference is. That's where the difference is between our two sport, our two individual sports in the areas and why the money is where it is in the NRL for Aussie Rugby League. Because ours doesn't bear any relation to it. And still... And I watch the NRL. I get, I get, I do actually say, you know, I think the NRL, when you watch the NRL, is a far more competitive league than the Super League, right? Super League might seem competitive away, but when you watch the NRL each week, then you realise, you know, the difference. Don't get me wrong, you still get teams murdered in the NRL. You've only to watch how uh, West Tigers, you know, were playing last season. And West Tigers were, you know, abysmal. Right, and I remember when they were Balmain Tigers years ago, and they had they had a cracking side that was in grand finals and like so. It's sad they're in that, but everybody goes through that phase like that, you know. Every club goes through a phase where they go up like that and they go down like that. Even Wigan have had that at times, maybe not quite like that, maybe quite, and then back up again. Um, but each club has that. It depends on how well you can manage your way out of it. Um, and and, that, and that's the difference. But uh, 
yeah, I'd just like to see. I'd like to see, if I was thinking of it on my side, I'd love to see Workington Town back in Super League, having a club, whether it's Whitehaven or Workington, it wouldn't really matter to me, I guess, in a way, but Workington Town just sounds a good name to me, you know. So, um, But it's uh, but the, the guys over in Cumbria love love their sport as well. And I've even, in, in the first one of these books, Tough Season, I've actually got, somebody going across like a talent scout goes across and I've made up some Cumbrian names, you know, like Kisant or whatever, something different and whatever, where somebody goes over and watches a match and they sign up one of the players and they end up playing for Hopton Town. So, so I even try to, you know, involve Cumbria in, in the books as well that I do. So, but I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to see rugby league, you know, do as well as it possibly can no matter what. And uh, if we can get a Yorkshire club winning, obviously so much the better. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's one final one quickly just to bring us back yeah. full circle to the books. Let's go into the fantasy world for a little for a moment. You've just had the call that it's been commissioned into the big TV drama. Who's the dream name that plays Greg and why is it not Callum? <laughs> no, of course it can be Cal, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> or you, Matt. It depends which one you think is the best looking out of the two of you. I don't know. Right. Well, let the comments no comment. Decide, no man. comment. I'm not saying no. <laughs> I'll tell you who I I'll tell you who I did think that would make a make a good character for it. James Norton, you know, the guy that lives in uh, Happy Valley. Right? Yeah. Um because he's because he's a big enough star to play the part for one thing, um, and I'm not sure he's kind of rugged enough for what I'd, for what is wanted for it. But he's good looking enough for the part as well, you know. So he might be, and he's and yeah, he would look he would look right for it. I think somebody like somebody like that. I mean, years ago, if I'd have written it, and and if he'd have been a younger lad, then Sean Bean would have been a great character for it uh, at one point as well, because he has that rugged. And he also has that northern accent to go with it as well, you know. So, um, but it's um, yeah, somebody somebody like a James Norton or whatever. But other people might have other uh, ideas as well. I certainly wouldn't do what what uh, um, they did originally with the Jack Reacher ones and put Tom Cruise in because uh, not because Tom Cruise isn't a brilliant actor, but he's about five foot five, isn't he? <laughs> Can't have him play the part. <laughs> You have to put him on stilts to do, do a tackle, let, let alone anything else. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, thanks for that, Chris. And yeah, as a reminder, guys, like we said earlier, uh, books on sale on Amazon or through Great Northern or contact Chris directly for the £20 deal. We'll put a link in below with his email address and everything so you guys can get in contact. Um, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, Cheers, man. Pleasure. No worries. And uh, let's have a good season, eh? That's what we want. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, fingers crossed. Cheers, fellas. All right. Thanks for watching. Okay. Bye. Bye.